You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. So Bezras Hashem, we're going to continue with the exploration, the descent down the trail of Maisa Mebitachon from Rabbi Nachman. So we left last week with our fixer finding a way to make money for his meal, finding a way to experience that suda, which was going to be the wholeness of everything without a worry in the world. We, we saw that he decided to cut down trees in order to do this. That was how he was going to find his money again. And Rabbeinu continues... And by cutting down trees, so he made six gold coins, like we spoke about last week, and he bought the entire Suda, so he didn't lose anything, even though he couldn't fix things anymore, he didn't lose anything. And this is the language that Rabbi Nuzal used, in the Suda is given a Suda, and the Suda was a Suda. In the Suda is Gevein a Suda. And the feast was a feast, and the meal was a meal. Vahaya Sameach, and he was joyous, without a worry. And the king, again, desiring to try and figure out, let's see what happened of this fixer. Let's see if this person who thought he could fix broken things. Let's see after I break things for him, and I force him to go to a lower level. Let's see if he actually still maintains his simcha. Because again, we said the Melech Hashem is really testing the actual power of the fixer to show him how he has the capacity to fix even in the descent away from things being natural. And he found the Suda, and the Melech went again in the back of the houses, looking, peering through the Chalon, here the king is peering through the window, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes each night into the backsides of our home, into those Chalonos to see what became of us of today, after we descended away from Malchus, after we lost what we thought we had. The king comes to look at night, in the dark of night, in that time of Kriyashma, in that time of Mariv, in that time of the Kochavim. The king comes to look through his house. And it turns out that this person, again, is sitting there with his drink and his food sitting in front of him. And the king goes into the house and he tries to see again and he looks around and he slept there again like he did the first time. And in the morning, he, the, this person, this fixer, escorts the king out and the king asks him, where did you get this from? How did you do this? Where do you draw this capacity to be joyous? You need a lot of money for this. You need ashiras for this. 
for this type of joy, for this type of lack of worry, for this type of menucha. And the fixer asked, In the beginning, my way was to fix all of those things that were broken. And the king, in his desire to test me, to show me the depths of the experience that I'm capable of, said, and he took away that ability. So I decided to cut down trees. And the king goes away, and again, he wants to see what happens when we break the second thing. And the king goes and he announces that nobody is any longer allowed to cut down trees. We'll look at one of my favorite nakudos in this Maisa, and it happens over and over. And the Lashon of Rabbeinu was in the Suda is Gevena Suda. And the Suda was a Suda. Now, there's two ways to understand the statement of the Isha Bitachon, of the Isha Botayach. Basuda Haisa Suda, the meal was Mamisha meal. The meal was Mamisha meal. Was that a meal? It was the greatest meal in the world. There were delicacies, there was everything in the world. When a person remembers something so powerful and experienced so deep and so saturating, you no longer refer to it in memory by a proper noun, but rather it was simply that event that took place. It's an event that no longer needs to bear its historic marker because the memory is so rich that I have the access to that full experience again through memory. And so I don't say, wow, that meal at X, Y, or Z was so great. I say that meal was amazing. And it's clear exactly what I'm referring to. Suda suda. And the suda is gvena suda. And the suda was mamisha suda. So what that means is that this Isha Bitochon, this Isha Bitochon was able to taste in that Suda, and that descent away from the original clarity of all things, and that descent into the distortion a little bit, in order to prove our capacity to find Hashem there as well, person comes out with, with richness, with, with abundance of experience, with a, a saturated experience where Ruchnius is going well, Shalom is in a person's life, Amun and Bitochon are present, and the Suda was Gavain the Suda, it was Gavalt. Now that's a wonderful way to look at what Rabbi Nachman is telling us, but what that does is it limits our encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because if the only way to taste the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu after falling away from how things originally were is when things are clarified, and I can say, Vahasuda Haisasuda, and I mamish felt that Suda, so then when I feel the Suda, when I feel the Hargasha of Kedusha, when I have Tainug Ruchani, when I have some sense or semblance of spiritual pleasure in my life, and I can say I am okay right now. So then, okay, so a person can taste that light of the Suda being a Suda. But what happens when a person doesn't taste it? What happens after we're sent down into concealment and we come back and we still don't feel it? We believe it, but we don't feel it. What then? So the Suda Suda, the Suda was Mamish, a saturating spiritual experience that felt very real in memory. So, so that would limit it again to, to an experience of feeling it. So there's a second way to interpret the word Vahasuda Suda. And the Suda was Gavain Suda. That the Suda was Mamish Suda. It doesn't mean that the Suda was Mamish Suda. It doesn't mean that the Suda was something experiential. But Suda Isa Suda is a very simple statement. It's a very simple statement of the Suda is a Suda. It's simple. It is what it is. It's nothing more, nothing less.
It's not a saturating experience. The Hasuda is a Suda. It's a bare experience. It was a Suda. There was nothing remarkable about it. There was nothing special about it. It was a Suda like any other experience. There was nothing special here. Vasudha is a Suda. You asked me what the Suda was. It was a Suda. What else can I say? It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It simply was. And that interpretation of the Suda being a Suda is in polar opposition to what we said before. The first Suda being a Suda is the notion that to be connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it has to be the greatest, most pleasurable experience in the world. But then we asked what would happen to us when we fall away. And so the second interpretation of the Suda was a Suda means it just was what it was. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing special because if a person thinks that the true power of the Tam of Gan Eden is dependent on the external trappings of what the Suda is, then they've never even begun to understand. Because if a person truly wants to find Gan Eden in their life, it has to be independent of anything external. It has to be independent. It has to be a hachlata senepesh internally to taste that suda. And so the same type of experience can happen whether the table is full or whether the table is empty. <clears throat> the suda was mamish a suda. It was the greatest thing. Or the suda was a suda. What else do you want me to say about it? It was what it was. Because the ordinary experience and the extraordinary experience, which are typically seen as two paradoxical polar opposites, in Kedusha, especially in Rabbi Nachman's stories, they're part and parcel of the same thing. If a person goes looking for the extraordinary in these tales, if a person goes looking for something that is hidden, waiting to be revealed, they'll be left with resentments because no interpretation or expression will ever satisfy what the tale truly beckons the individual to see. But when I just rare, read those bare words, I experience the sum totality of what these Sipori Maisios, Meshanim Kanmonios are meant to awaken. So on the one hand, the words are simply, the Suda was a Suda, it was a simple experience, it was ordinary. I didn't experience anything loud. But at the same point within that ordinary experience, there's a luster, there's a ziv, there's a shine that illuminates the ordinary and transforms it into something extraordinary. Because ultimately, like we know from Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, that extraordinary and ordinary are ultimately expressive of the same exact thing. But the extraordinary is there to confirm for us what we've always truly known about the ordinary as well. So sometimes experiences are going to be lamala mitam vidas, and they're going to be filled with pleasure. Other times they're going to be simply ordinary sudas. A suda was a suda. And the king comes in and he sees that he was very, very happy. Sameach ma'od. <clears throat> in the beginning, in the beginning, the king comes in and he sees that this person was happy, Haya Sameach. And then after coming in a little bit deeper, he sees that he was Sameach Ma'od, he was very happy. And the notion of Ma'od is what Chazal tell us perhaps with regards to the, the, the first Psukim regarding the creation of Adam. On the sixth day of creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw and it was Tov Ma'od. It was very good. So Chazal come and say that Tov represents life, it represents the Yetzir HaTov, it represents the positive drives and the, the easy street of our lives. Ma'od, very good, that, that intensification of the ordinary good is Misa, it's death, it's concealment, and it's the Yetzir Hara. 
And the way that Sadiqim understand this is that if a person only lives life without resistance, without any manios on the derech, without being forced to fall away from the original structure of our experience and being caught, tossed down into concealment, into that world of cutting down trees, working our way through a forest, cutting through the thicket of our lives, it's specifically there that a person uncovers the secret of very good. Because it's only when a person faces resistance, it's only when a person hits a limit and overcomes the limit, experiences that hero of Yeah, it's bad in my eyes that the king came and decreed against fixing broken things. It's negative. I feel that gnarliness of experience. But but he had faith, he had trust in HaKadosh Baruch and he continued. That pause and restart is what enables the original power of good to multiply itself. Because if that original immature good just continued from start to finish without any resistance, without any pushback, without anything forcing it to overcome its original power in order to reassert itself, then the good would remain good as it always has been. But there would be no tenuas ha'ezchadshus. There would be no movement, no percolation of renewal. This is what the Rebbe of Itchemeyer Morgenstern Shlita describes all the time as It's the, the sense, the movement of renewal within the state of perpetual pleasure. It's renewing the good. It's the toiv ma'oid. And that's only possible when the, when the fixer gets thrown out of that original world of Atsilas and he gets thrown down into the worlds of separation. And the king hears what he's doing, and he decides to break this for him. He decides to break this for him. The king's question, though, that he asks this fixer, when, he has, when the fixer escorts him out after finding that he had the Suda again, the king says, <clears throat> From where do you take this? This has to be a very expensive experience. Mamon is schar, is Torah and mitzvot, right? When a person sees, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu sees a Jewish individual, a person in this world who has no worries whatsoever, even in the darkest house in the world, dug into the mud with the windows that are looking out onto the mud with the broken down roof, and the king sees this Jew there who's not only very happy but doesn't have a worry in the world, so the king sees this and he says, okay, this has got to cost a lot of money. Clearly there's schus here. Clearly there's some sort of hidden merit that this individual has to merit such calmness. Where do you take this from? Okay, I see. You, you worry not at all. You're a true tzaddik, but where do you take this from? And in the spirit of Rav Levi Yitzchak of Breditchev, we can see, and this is true in Rabbeinu's writings as well, from where do you take all of this can also be understood as you take all of this from the space of nothingness. I understand you draw this simcha, you draw this absolute calmness without one worry in the world, that hishta'avus, that or of lo ichbat klal that Rabbeinu speaks about often in Lukutim Maharan, that, that equanimous light of, of not caring. And, and, and the question is, where do you take this from? The answer is, I take it from nowhere. I take it from nothing. I take it from nothing. I don't take it from anywhere. I don't know how I get it. I'm not a chacham in all of this. I just have bitachon. 
I draw it from a place of nothingness. It's tamimus. The fixer has to be cousins with the tam, or a grandfather of the tam, from the sipur of the maisa mechacham betam, because the tam does the very same thing that the fixer does. The tam suda is mamish suda, but all we ha- all he has is bread and water. But when he asks for the bread, he asks for steak. And when he wants wine, he gets his water. And when he wants his fur coat, he gets his torn rags. It doesn't make a difference to him. He takes it from a place of nothingness. The thing about the light of nothingness is that it's both the highest level and the lowest level. It's the Kesar and the Malchus. It's Aniva Ayin. So this fixer, he draws this light of Tov Ma'od. He draws this capacity to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in everything that he does, wherever he is in the world. He draws it from that light of nothing. It's not anything specific. Each and every person has their own nakuda. That's malachin to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's the first teaching in Lakuta Maran, and it's expressed countless times in the Chedusha Arim and the Svas Emes, that each and every Jewish individual, each and every existent soul throughout the entirety of history, has a specific and particular and singular individualized nakudas hachin, point of goodness, point of chin that HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires the entirety of creation for. Each and every person knows where they take this richness from, where we experience this Ein lanu We take it from our ayin, we take it from our sense of nothingness. Sometimes we're beaten down into our space of nothingness and sometimes we merit to ascend to the place of our nothingness. But either way, what Rabbi Nachman is doing in the Sipori Maisios in Lakuta Maran, Rabbeinu is teaching us what ayin means and how you can merit to experience ayin how you can merit to experience nothingness, annihilation of the ego, connectivity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a deep sense that everything is okay, not simply because I choose to make it okay, but mamish to feel that everything is okay, and that that everything is good, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere like the tzaddikim see. Sometimes it's ascendant, sometimes it's descendant. Either way, we're going to end up in that same place of nothingness. Either way, a person is going to end up in that place of where do you take all this from? I take it from ayin, I take it from nothingness. My relationship with this destitution that is, that is the deepest richness imaginable and a richness that is the most destitute thing in the world. It's Davin Malka Mashicha. It's the impoverished king. It's the Rizhan, the secret of Malchus, who had golden slippers without any, without any heels. And what his chassidim saw were that his feet were leaving trails of blood behind him. That's the secret of Malchus here, of Me'ayin. That's where the, the fixer draws this koach from. Either way, I'm going to fix things. Sometimes I'll feel that I'm fixing the whole world. Sometimes I'll feel like I can't fix anything. But I'm always going to be fixing. I could only be fixing. Everything is fixing. That's the koach of the Balbi Tachon. He, he's boteach, he has certainty that the future will arrive and therefore he can taste the future in the present. So after the king comes and decrees, and with this will end, after the king comes and decrees that we can no longer cut down any trees, again, to push the fixer even further deeper into the secret of unity, the capacity to uncover the light of fixing even within a darker territory, the world of Yitzira, the place of darkness and light operant in unity, and so we're going to see that the fixer realizes he can't cut down trees, so he decides he's going to go clean stables of animals. And so we'll discuss next week what it means to, to live in the, uh, in the excess of the world, to, to live in that waste, to live in that, that thing that has absolutely no purpose whatsoever, that place where 
a person is not allowed to daven. And we'll see how the fixer has the capacity to uncover the light there as well. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.